0: Okay, Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, and this is a common verse, but let's just start, I want to read it, and then I got other scripture and stuff to read, and then I'll say, and probably won't be too long tonight, been a bad day, not been feeling good, and so we'll maybe be short tonight. No promises, though. (laughs) Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Well, that's not the only time. That's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Numerous times. Jesus said it. Um, You know, the the law says it. It's just, uh, uh, you know, that's the basic thing about the, the moral law of God. All right. Now, we're still talking about the Spirit. the heart, mind, and the Spirit here tonight. I was looking this morning. There's no subject in the Bible that's mentioned more and dealt with more than the matter of the Spirit. Did you know that? I mean, I haven't yet found out how many times that the Bible actually refers to it, mentions it, talks about it. But I know this, just the basic word for Spirit is found 350 times in the New Testament. And I'm talking about, it's, uh, it's that uh, word, the Greek is pneumia or, or pneuma, like pneumonia, you know, breathe, breath. It means a current of air, breath. A uh, spirit, a human spirit is a rational soul, a vital principle. Uh, uh, and then there's the superhuman spirits, an angel, a demon, or God. And Christ's spirit, the Holy Spirit. It means life. That word is in the New Testament 350 times. Human spirits, supernatural spirits, both are alive and are the essence of of the life, both of men and angels and of God Himself. God is a spirit. The spirit is life. You know, try to keep these together in your mind. Uh, These words that go together. Spirit and life. The spirit is life. All right. Uh, mentioned or referred to in that sense 350 times in the New Testament. But the basic word for the spirit in the Old Testament, guess how many times it's mentioned in the Old Testament? 348 times that I found. And it means wind, resemblance, uh, uh, breath, uh, sensible, or even violent exhalation. Spirit. And it means life also. It also means anger, By uh, but only of a rational being. And, and so, we, if we add to the list the other words related to the spirit and breath, the number's a lot higher than that. But there's you almost 700 times just those two words that refer to spirit in the Old and New Testament. So, just simply the amount of Text devoted to dealing with this subject in the Word of God ought to be incentive enough for us to take it very seriously and to study and pray for understanding in the matter. And here's another thing. One, side, uh, one of the side benefits to studying this matter in the Word of God is that you get a better understanding of the Word of God itself. And we see a lot of things in a new light. Let me give you some examples here real quick. Before we really get to what I want to talk about tonight. But in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, that word for spirit that I just mentioned to you. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In the cool of the day is that word, spirit. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. See, Adam and Eve's relationship with God was a spiritual one. Their communication with God was a spiritual one. Nothing new. But we think of it differently, don't we? We, we just got in our mind a different... We got a, in our mind a carnal, earthly concept of Adam and Eve and their relationship with God. We think they're in the garden and it's the cool of the day, morning or evening or something, and God comes walking through the garden and they just meet up with God and talk to Him. Isn't that how you always thought of it? I mean, here's another one Genesis 6, verse 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life. That word is spirit. So. From under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. Everything breathing. And Moses in Exodus ten thirteen, And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day. That word spirit. That wind. Hmm. You, we just always thought it was just wind, huh? Wasn't no other meaning to it. We didn't see any deeper thing there. The wind blew and separated. Well, it brought the locusts and everything. But the east wind, all right, all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. Exodus ten nineteen, and the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind. There it is again, same word which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coast of Egypt. Now, the effects of spirits of other people and of devils and of God on our spirit, that's the unseen force that controls what happens on this earth. Say a lot. Try to get it. Try to keep it now. The effects of the spirits of other people affect us. The spirits of devils affect us. The spirits spirit of God affects us. That's what that's the unseen force that controls what happens on the earth. I've been preaching this for weeks now, trying to get you to really get this down home because understanding intellectually this is not good enough until we start applying it in our lives and we stop this spiritual attack or interference or influence or messing with us, where it starts. Stop it there. Instead of just blindly doing like we've done all of our lives and just being wallered around by spirits of this and spirits of that, causing us to be wretched people and mean and snappy and selfish and every other bad thing. We sin against God and others. Or we honor God and serve others according to the spiritual powers which we submit our mind and heart to. Yes.
1: Right.
0: Heart, mind, and spirit. Supposed to love the Lord with what? Your heart and mind. Huh? Your soul. All your heart. All your mind. All your soul. We're going to get to that in just a second. So, but in the same respect, our life is a blessing to God and to others, or it is a problem, a heartache, or a disaster, according to whatever spiritual powers we submit our mind and heart to. Now, the moral law of God summed up in just a few words by Jesus Himself. We read it a while ago. Jesus said unto Him in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now the moral law of God defines what's right and wrong for living moral beings between one another and between them and the God who created them. That's what the moral law of God defines. And Jesus said it right here. He summed it up. Isn't that what He did? He summed up. The whole law of God. It hangs on thee, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy soul, other gospel says with all thy strength. And the second is likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On this hang all the law and the prophets. Summed everything God has to say to man. There it is right there. If you don't know how to be right, live right, how to conduct yourself, how to be right with God, that's it. All summed up in those words. So, the moral law of God, it defines what's right and wrong for us. We know that our... And by the way, it does for devils too. The moral law of God applies to God Himself. God don't give one law for everybody else and another for Himself. You all study history. You know what uh, Lex Rex and Rex Lex, all that meant, you know. The Magna Carta and all of that. Well, it had to do with the king didn't have to obey the law. He can make law and not have to bet. He's above the law. But then when it came the other way, when they switched it around, then we've always understood for the last several hundred years that the king ain't above the law. We know that our heart is the seed of our emotions and passions and it's that part of us that feels. We feel love. We feel joy. We feel hatred. Anger, sadness, grief, and all other feelings and emotions that has to do with your heart. It's a part of us. And it's hard to set it over here and say, now this is your heart, and over here, and this is your mind, and over here is your soul. It's like saying that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they're one. We're one. But there's a way to look at this so that we understand why things work the way they do. And why we have the problems we have, and and how we get in the messes that we get in, and it'll help us so much to understand this. We I preached on this, the heart and the mind, and and I hope you remember some of this. I'm just reviewing it here. We know that our mind is that faculty that where we conceive, reason, and judge according to what. We perceive to be truth. Now the world's all about feeling with your heart and following your heart and all that and then they don't want you to use your mind and judge. But that's what the mind does. That's how it functions. It's the intellectual or intelligent power in man. It's the understanding. And we judge according to what we perceive to be truth. So you got your heart and your mind. And until you're really born again of the Spirit, then uh, the mind is at odds with the heart a lot of the time. It's the law of your mind. The Bible talks about in Romans is is at odds with the law of that's in your members. That law that's in your members. It's your heart. It's the lust. It's the desires. It's those feelings that are so strong. And so, that's due to the fact that our spirit is not dominant in our life. We're walking after our heart, or we're walking in the blindness of our mind, with a blind mind and a hard or a blind heart. And that's all carnal. It's do the fact that this war between the, that goes on inside us before we're saved, Romans chapter 7, gives you a detailed look at what I'm talking about. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's the mind and the heart at war with each other, struggling against one another. The mind knows the truth and, and believes the truth, but the heart and the feelings just won't yield. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a struggle, there's a conflict in there. But there's something that brings it to an end. At the end of Romans chapter 7, He said, Who shall deliver me from this body of this death? O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? And He said, I thank God Mm -hmm. through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that delivers you from this by the new birth. So, until we're truly born again of the Spirit, the law of the mind is at odds much of the time with the law that's in our members, which is our heart and what we feel. Boy, you just have a hard time going against your feelings, don't you? Yeah. You still just think, Boy, well, I just had a feeling. I sure, I got this feeling. I just," And you go by feelings. We use it in our language. Well, I just feel like, you know... <laughs> now, our mind knows that the Bible says that he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but boy, it's hard to not trust in your heart because them feelings are so strong. <laughs> But it's all due to the fact that our spirit's not dominant in our life. We're not spiritual beings when we're lost. Right. When we're lost. When we're not saved. Before we're saved, we're not spiritual beings. We have a spirit, but it's just, it's just inactive. Right. On purpose. Because you have made it that way. Right. You've decided it that way. We're carnal and we're walking after the flesh. We're earthly and worldly. Before you're regenerated, before you're born again, that's why Paul said in Romans chapter seven, "I'm carnal, sold under sin." That's one. That's what he's talking about. When I'm lost, when I was, when the, when I was in sin, when my members were all involved in it back in the past, when I was that way, I, that's what it was, and that's why it is. We mind the things of the flesh of the earth and not the things of God in eternity. And that's why Jesus said so often, you know, seek those things which are above and not those things below. Uh, And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on earth. You know, he said things like that over and over. And then the rest of Paul told us some more. We mind things of the flesh of this earth and not the things of God in eternity before our spirit becomes dominant in our life. Now, we've got to love God, not just with all our heart and not just with all our mind, but also with all our soul. Alright, now listen to me here for a minute. The word soul here means life. Well, what else means life? Spirit. Now, we said before it's kind of hard to make a distinction between the spirit and the soul, but there are just dis- It is distinct. And if you'll listen, I'll try to help you so that you can get a hold of it here a little bit. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, the Bible says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So this word soul here in Matthew 22 verse 37, that word soul means life. In fact, if you look it up in the New Testament, it's translated "life" just about as much as it is "soul." So Romans chapter eight and verse two. Romans chapter eight is a fantastic chapter for understanding these things. If you look at word, the word "spirit." Romans chapter eight is, I mean, it just—it's there all over the place. Some verses three or four times in the verse. Spirit, 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 as contrasted with the flesh. Romans eight two. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life. Now, the soul means life. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So we're to love the Lord with all our, our life. life. That's what I'm looking for right there. All our life. All right. Now listen to me. Just listen a second here. That word there. The definition of that word means breath, spirit, soul. Means breath, spirit. It means. It means the. uh, I hate to say it this way, but this is what the dictionary says, "...the animal sentient principle only, thus distinguished on the one hand from the rational and immortal soul, and on the other from mere vitality, like plants and and things that are inanimate." See, I mean, they're alive, but they're not, uh, you know... That's compared to a rational soul. You've got a rational soul. Yeah. But what he's talking about here... Is the essence of our life. What makes us alive? God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. A living soul. So, these terms thus exactly correspond respectively to the Hebrew words. He gives three Hebrew words there, and you know what those words are? Heart, mind, and so. So I hope you, you maybe it'll at least challenge you to go home and study it a little bit. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. It's all of your life, all that you are. You know. What could a man give in exchange for his soul? What is thy life? Is it not a vapor? Which appears for a little while, vanishes away. Your life. Your life. What does your life mean to you? Mm-hmm. It's not just the collection of everything you've done and saw and heard and in your in your time here on earth. Your life is who you really are, and your life is what is going to live forever. And that's what you should love the Lord thy God with all of. If you love Him with all your heart and with all your mind, but not with all your life, there's people that try that. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: They're all emotion about God. They can go and just worship and raise their hands and shout and cry and really put on a worship show. And and they're not insincere. They're, they really feel, and they really put their emotion into it. And, and at the same time, their mind is, you know, whatever they've got in their mind, they really believe it. Yes.
1: yes. Absolutely.
0: But they live their life in the world. Yes. And what their life consists of, they got from the world, not from God. It's, their life is not a spiritual life. No. They worship and they're religious in their mind and in their heart, but, but their life doesn't belong to God. So what we understand here is that what, when we are quickened by the Spirit, our Spirit becomes one with God's Spirit. Think about that just a little bit. That's how we become one with God. In Spirit. How do we worship God? In Spirit and in truth. That's mind. That spirit. And then the heart. You know, what, what is it about your heart? It's where you love. It's where that feeling enters in. you got to uh, love the Lord with all your mind. And with all your soul. And, the, and your heart will just fall right in line. Yeah. You'll feel something when you believe the truth. And embrace the truth. When you s- submit to the truth. Yes. With all yes. you got. Yes. From... Here for eternity, this is what my life is about, consists of, it's what I'm going to live for. Then Then you'll get some happy feelings. You'll have joy in your heart. You won't have to fake it. It'll be real. You know, Finney always said that. He said people, and people do it now, they try to race up the emotions. That's what all the worship services are about. They go for your heart. They tell you stories. To make you cry. Feel something. Sad. Happy. Funny. I mean, any way to get you to feeling something. So you'll shout and run. And and then we can go home and say, Boy, we really worship God. Mm -hmm. Not a bit of truth. Nowhere. You preach the truth first. And when the truth is embraced by your mind Mm -hmm. and your soul, Mm -hmm. then you'll feel something. Emotions follow. Feelings follow the truth. They're a result of the truth being received. You don't get people to receive the truth by making them feel happy and excited and then you sneak that truth into them. That ain't how it works. So we understand here that when we're quickened by the Spirit, our Spirit becomes one with God's Spirit and the life we live after that is spiritual and not carnal. That's so important. Romans chapter 8 again, therefore there is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. If any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his, or spirit of Christ. Um, and these other verses I just read here a while ago, well, I've got some more to read in. Uh, the ruling power in our life ceases to be our carnal lust and desires. Now that is the way it really is. And it is instead the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The ruling power in our life after we're born again. After you're really regenerated. After you really become a child of God. The ruling power in your life becomes the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus in you. You're spiritual. You live a spiritual life. That's your guide. That's what what you look to, uh, and not the, the carnal things that you always look to before. The ruling power in our life ceases to be our carnal lust and desires and it is instead the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We are made alive in Christ and at the same time, we're made aware of the spiritual evil that is also working in the world in the sons of men. It comes hand in hand. It's not just all... Uh, candy and flowers and wonderful things when you get saved, you realize the dark side of this- wor- what's what's going on. you realize what the battle's about that is the promise of power from on high that Jesus told his disciples to wait for they believe i mean jesus Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I... Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yeah. He had his heart, really. Yeah. Had his mind. Oh, yeah. But why did Peter back up there? Life. It's as simple as pie. They fixed him to kill Jesus and he knew they'd kill him too. So his life is what he saved that night. So, that's the promise of power. Jesus said, "Tarry ye at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And when they got that, man, it didn't matter. They threatened them. We've been reading in Acts and they threatened them and it did not even faze them. (laughs) We'll kill you. We'll beat you. you, If it be right to, to obey men rather than God, you just judge ye, but... We're going to keep, you know, we can't, we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. Didn't stop them, didn't fear, didn't put any fear into them because they were endued with power from on high. They had the Spirit of God, the promise of the Father, and it changed everything in their life. And we do too. If you're really saved, you get the same thing. Now, do you understand why Jesus said, Straight is the gate, and narrow the way, and few that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it? How few do you think it really is? I'm telling you, you see all these pictures that everybody puts up about the rapture happening, and boy, the churches are all empty, and the airplanes are just crashed everywhere, and it's just a total disaster on the face of the earth because all the Christians were. That is as. That is as false as it can ever be. I'm telling you, it's not going to be that way. How many people do you know who say they're Christians who really have the Spirit of God? Peter said, I'll die for you. I'll die with you. And Jesus just... I We read that, those things and I tell her, you know, surely He just... Surely he just shook his head. Surely he just smiled or you know, in wonder. Because he knew. He knew what was in him. He knew where he was at, and he knew he wasn't ready. Even though he said he was ready. It's like your little kid that thinks he can drive a car or do some other big thing and he can't. Shoot a gun. You remember you remember them videos we got of you and David shooting a gun out there, that sixteen gauge shotgun? Little old bitty boys. David got that gun and put it up against his shoulder. Of course, Grandpa was standing right behind him to hold him, and it had knocked him plumb across the woods. I mean, that was a good one. <clears throat> must be the way the Lord looks at us before we're ready for the things we we just think we're ready when we got some a little bit of knowledge and we got some enthusiasm and excitement in our heart, <laughs> but we don't have nothing until we come to that point. Where we love the Lord with all our soul. All our life. Everything I got from, for, from here to eternity. It's His. That's why the, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They just can't do it. They haven't given their life to God. Once you give your life to God, nothing else will matter. Jesus talked about leaving house or wife or husband or children and
1: all of this.
0: He named about everything. He said, "If He that findeth his life will lose it. But he that loseth his life for my sake, the same shall find it. You're not throwing your life away when you give it to God. You're getting your life. It's safe and secure. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And to be spiritually minded is to have the mind... Under the guidance and control of the Spirit of God. That's what spiritual minded is. It's not how much you know about all the spirits and the spirit world. and That's not spiritual minded, how much you know. Spiritual minded, spiritually minded is to be under your mind. Remember what the mind is? Yeah. Be under control of the Spirit of God. Yes. For to be spiritually minded. Now, Romans chapter 8 verse 13 and 14 says... For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. See what's dominant there? See what saves your life? Spirit. Being spiritually minded. Having your eyes opened so you can see. You mortify the deeds of your body. How? Through the Spirit. And you live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Nobody else is. That's strong medicine right there. You're not led by the Spirit of God. You're not a child of God. Mm -hmm. That narrows it down far more than any of us here tonight can even imagine. When we're resurrected from this spiritual death that we talked about two or three weeks ago, uh, we're made alive to spiritual things. So that means we look for knowledge, wisdom, guidance, and answers, and solutions to our problems there instead of in carnal, humanistic uh, wisdom, knowledge, or people. Did you all listen to me? If you're awakened, if you're resurrected, if you've been quickened and made alive by God, born again, then you look for your answers in the spiritual realm.
1: Yes. Yes, sir.
0: The answers to your problems in the physical realm, you look for the answers in the spiritual realm. Okay. <laughs> That's real important.
1: Yeah.
0: You don't go to, uh, you know preachers and doctors and books and look for answers from worldly, carnal, unspiritual, unregenerated, ungodly people. You don't look there. What's the point of looking there? That's not where the problems are anyway. They don't have a clue what they're doing. They don't have a clue what's causing all the trouble. When you wake up, when you're resurrected, <laughs> when you come out of that grave of carnality and death, you start looking for answers where you can find answers. To be more spiritual is to be more aware of what really causes the problems in life between people and and what affects our knowledge and relationship with God and as well as what brings joy and peace and blessings. To be more spiritual means that you're really more aware of what, how that all works there. Yeah. Any problem you've got in life, in your marriage, in your children, and in your relationship with God, that's how you need to find your answers. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: right.
0: You need to look in the spiritual realm because that's what's moving everything. Everything's being influenced and moved by that realm. Look there. Figure it out. Read your Bible. It'll tell you every time what the problem is. All right, now to love the Lord with all our soul is to give our very life to His control and to submit to His will for our life, whatever it may be. I think that's a key thing. Now you know it's been a long time since that happened to me, and I've learned an awful lot since then. And I've come to understand a lot of things that I thought and and believed back then were not right. But that didn't that didn't stop what happened. See, and y'all need to really get this here. You look at all this world, and everybody's different, everybody's got different opinions, and, and you know, there's room for that, because there's a different stages of maturity and learning, there's different influences on the life. Some people ha- they've got a feast, and other people have a famine trying to learn the word of God and understand things. And,
1: right.
0: and so there's going to be differences in people, but this right here is the key thing. the little soul on the far side of the world in a jungle that don't know anything about God and hasn't heard anything, but if he surrenders his life to God and means it and is sincere, yeah. then he, he's going to go somewhere.
1: Yes.
0: God's going to educate him.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and, and that's where you really get born again. get past all that religion. It's a key thing. Your soul. You've got to love the Lord with all your soul. And your mind and your heart. But your mind and your heart keep you from loving Him with all your soul. If you're not careful. And understand this. When we truly love God with all our soul, we'll love Him with all our heart and all our mind. So that is the most important business of life. To make sure that your life belongs to God and that you have held no reserve. All means all. He said all your heart. All your mind. All of your soul. Remember the... The one said, well, I bought some land. i got to go look at it. The other one said, well, to. my father's sick. I've got to wait till he dies and then I'll come. And, you know, they all made excuse. <laughs> and in Luke chapter 14, toward the end there, Jesus said, And whosoever will not forsake all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Oh. Oh. All your life. Has to belong to God. Now He may leave you right where you're at the rest of your life. That's right. Don't mean He's going to take you to the other side of the world or the moon or somewhere to be a missionary. But you got to be, when you really give your life to God, you'll be, you, if you've really done it, you'll be okay with whatever He yeah, that's right. does with you.
1: That's right. yeah. that's right.
0: <laughs> no matter how lowly it is, or no matter how uh, complicated it is. Moses was fine with being on the backside of the desert the rest of his life. And it took some doing to get him to go to Egypt. Yeah. But, but he did. Yeah. And I mean, he was faithful, like we said last Sunday, in all of his house. He stuck with it. His life belonged to God. You see the same thing in all the disciples and the apostles here the, and the early Christians, the martyrs and all. They, once they got life, their life belonged to God, man, there was no stopping them. That's how they turned the world upside down. And now today we've got, you know, Baptist church. I've told you a number of times how that I was in a Baptist church 30-some years, 40-some years ago down in Arkansas, and that's what the deacon's wife told me. She said, you're talking about total commitment, and we're not ready for that. Baptist church, deacon, and you ain't ready for total commitment. When he said all, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, you don't forsake all you have, you can't be my disciple, and you just want to, you're going to hold it all in reserve and just go to church and give him a little bit of, Money and call that good and think you're going to heaven and you're safe and secure and eternally secure. Nope. So the most important part of business of life is to make sure that your life belongs to God and you have no reserve. This is what a true born again child of God is like. Now listen, nothing less than this can be called a new birth. Nothing less than this can be called regeneration. Nothing less than this can be called redemption or salvation, or any other word that describes what God does for a lost, sinful, carnal person. Can't be? Anything less than this? Can't be. You think He's going to let you sli- let it slide because you loved him with all your heart, part of your mind, none of your soul. Your life was your own and you lived it the way you wanted and you wouldn't give an inch. And... But you did go to church and you worshipped and you loved God and all that. I don't think so. Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to read this. These are common verses. You know them by heart. Surely I do. Galatians two nineteen twenty. 19, 20. I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. So your life. You understand what he's saying when he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy mind. Amen. I know I repeat a lot of things, but it's necessary. I have to repeat them to myself until they sink in to my thick head so that I can see clear and keep things in order and understand. Amen. Alright, Father, thank You for the Word of God. (laughs) We spend a lifetime reading it just studying, looking at each word and trying to figure out what you said and it just it it just absolutely overwhelms me. How that we never find the bottom. It's just we never exhaust it. There's always more light there if we look for it and if we'll seek it. And Lord we pray in this matter that you'd help us. Lord it's It's the the battleground where the devil fights the hardest. I know he doesn't want people to understand this. And I pray that you would help us, that it would go forth and people would understand and that you'd keep him from robbing some soul of this great blessing of being able to fight and be a good soldier and a good
1: uh, soldier for Christ. Please bless it to our hearts now in Jesus' name.